Whatever you're wanting to try, try. And don't worry about it and expect to fail because the failure leads to the success. Welcome to Starve the Doubts. I'm here in the lovely Anaheim, California, at the Now Hear This Festival at the Marriott. It's beautiful. And when I'm hanging out in such a cool place, poolside, I better have a good guest. And today I'm going to deliver on that. It is David Passara. Hey, Jared. David, how are you? I'm awesome, man. I am well fed. It's beautiful weather out. Been a great experience so far at the Now Hear This conference. Indeed. Just a great time. Indeed. So uh, just a little bit of context for the listeners. You and I were eating breakfast just before this interview. Would you be willing to tell the listeners what we had for breakfast, where we went, so that they can judge us harshly? Well, we had the uh, the most awesome breakfast in America at Roscoe's House of Chicken and Waffles. <laughs> and we had... Paleo-friendly, I might add. Totally paleo-friendly, as long as you don't <laughs> eat the waffles. <laughs> Fried chicken and waffles for breakfast. And it was heaven. And our waitress was funny. Great experience overall. Yeah, she had a great attitude towards everything. I really liked her a lot. Yeah, and uh, I got to say that was my first time at Roscoe's. It was about my 50th time at Roscoe's, as, as my uh, obesity will show. <laughs> <laughs> so, so in the spirit of talking about first times, share a first time story that relates to life, business, starving the doubts, anything that pops in your head, a first time story that is kind of funny or, or something that kind of sticks out to you. Oh, okay. I'll, I'll tell you about my first podcast. Fair enough. I had this friend and he said, you know, you, you talk a lot. You got a lot of opinions. You ought to be doing a podcast. And I was like, what's a podcast? <laughs> I think we've all had that experience at some point. Yep. And he said, well, go listen to Joe Rogan and a couple others. And I did that. And I'm like, ah, oh, this sounds pretty interesting. It's, I could do this. So I break out my MacBook Pro, fire up the garage band, stick in the microphone, and I start to talk in a monotone like this for the next <laughs> 15 minutes. Sounds exciting. Horrible. Send it out to my brother and a couple other friends. And they're like, yeah, no. Yeah, it's not you. Lose that. Burn it. And that was my first podcast. And that is somewhere in the dark bowels of a MacBook Pro. It's probably in the basement of my closet somewhere. Well, I like the uh, description of that. So, David, I like how you brought up that story because you were working on a book that really resonates with me. I know it will resonate with Starve the Doubts listeners. And that is the first pancake rule. Right. And in this case, you talked about that first opportunity and that wasn't exactly what you needed or wanted. So let's talk about the first pancake rule. What is it and what compelled you to go there? The first pancake rule is, as I use it, is when you're making pancakes, you always throw the first one out because either the griddle's too hot, the batter's too thick, it's too thin, there's something wrong. So I took that principle, which my mom taught me a long, long time ago. Whenever you're starting to do something, the first efforts are usually going to be horrible and just expect them to be bad and throw them out and use that knowledge to get going because it's those first failures that lead to the later successes. You know, can you imagine, David, if people were making pancakes, they made that first one and it was a bad one. They just said, oh, I can't make pancakes. I give up. We would laugh at that and think that's kind of ridiculous. But yet a lot of people do that. All the time. I mean, it may not be pancakes. Right. I mean, we do that all the time, whether it's the first time we ask somebody out on a date and we don't ever want to try again, or whether it's our first business. You know, I know a lot of people that have tried to go out on their own. They live, tried to leave the corporate world and they get out there and they hit that first roadblock, that first stumbling block. They can't make that first rent payment and they just give up. And the reality is that 
if you want to succeed, you're going to have to go through the roadblocks. You're going to have to get past those first failures. So true or false, success is persistence through failure. I think that's totally true. I think that there are, I, I don't know honestly of anybody that has been a natural success in the day they were born at anything. What's that balance for you between not giving up, but also being prudent and saying, okay, just something's not working. I need to adjust. It's probably, I'm going to say most of the time I'm constantly adjusting. I'm going all along. I'm trying different things. And I've been a lawyer for 18 years now. And from the first time that we opened up our law practice, my very first ad was horrible. But today, my print ads look great. Today, my very first podcast was horrible, but today it's not so horrible. <laughs> it's less horrible. <laughs> less horrible. <laughs> I think anyone who's podcasted will laugh at that. They'll get it. You know, if you look at like the first videos I, I did, which are still scarily still up on YouTube, explaining what's going on with law, production quality's down. I'm kind of a little static. I'm not really all that dynamic on there. Versus today, I'm much more fluid, much more comfortable in front of the camera. But the only reason why that is is because I had people view them and give me feedback. So I think that that's a big part of this is you have to try things and get feedback and then act on that feedback. Okay. So we understand what maybe the why of, of why you're putting this book together. What can people expect from that? Well, there's going to be a little bit of my sort of story. And then what I'm going to do is take men like you and women like you and hear about your first failures and then how that led to your successes. Yeah, I'm, I'm eager to hear from the women like me. <laughs> That's going to be fun. Well, they're going to be awful pretty. <laughs> they must be. All right. So uh, what's the timeline on this project? Probably over the next nine months is yeah. what I'm thinking. It's still a work in progress. Uh, you've also taken more opportunities to do some speaking, some consulting, a lot of traveling and stuff. So you have a keynote speech on the first pancake rule. Is that similar to the book? I do. It's a, yeah. I do. And that's one of those that I'm given around town to various companies and organizations. And then from that, people take that lesson. And then I'm going to take those guests and have them write their stories for the book. mentioned about you up to this point is you are a contributing writer for a number of places that people will know about. Um, you've had a consistent column now for, I don't know how long, what? About 15, 16 years now for the Santa Monica Daily Press and Huffington Post off and on for about four or five years now. That's incredible. So the Santa Monica Daily Press, to stick with something that long, what are some lessons that you learned from doing that? Things that you think are bad are not necessarily bad. When I first started writing that column, I was told, write a thousand, 1200 words, not a problem. And then my editor called me up and she said, you know, I want to cut you back to 800 words. And my heart froze. I was like, you can't know. There's no way. I can't say what I need to say in 800 words. And what I found was that the quality of my writing actually improved because I was now more careful about the words that I used. Interesting. So, you know, there's a lot of common thought out there. If you're writing a book, it's got to be 50,000 words. Maybe it doesn't need to be 50,000. Maybe it needs to be 30. Or 20. Or 20. You know, it's, it's that old English, high school English teacher's statement. Long enough to cover the subject. Wow. I like that because I tend to read shorter books. You're and, a boy. Well, and that's true. And, and uh, there's a number of books that I, I'm interested in, but they're just so big. And it's like, oh, gosh, this could take me forever to get there. One of the big things I've found in writing for men, uh, you know, I've got my three books, A Man's Guide to Divorce Strategy, and there's one for child custody, and there's one for domestic violence. And the key is... They're all under about 120 pages and it's designed for a man to read in about an hour and a half, two hours, because I know 
they're not going to read everything. I'm not going to get you to read a 500-page book. You're going to read just what you need to know to get you through what you're facing. And when I write books today, I write with that concept. Yeah, I, that's funny. I don't seem to have a problem sitting down watching like a, a movie, you know, or, or even listening to a long podcast. But when it comes to sitting and reading like a 50,000-word book, I'm going to do it most likely, but I'm going to initially be intimidated. But I, I'm assuming I'm interested in the topic. Right. And what I would suggest is take that same content from a writer's perspective right. and turn that into three books. Uh, so now you've not only tripled your opportunities to monetize it, but you've also made it far more palatable for, for male readers. Uh, that's good advice. Now, if I was writing for a, a female audience, primarily, if I was writing a woman's guide to divorce, I don't think I would publish less than 300 pages. Interesting. They just approach things differently. They want to know everything about everything. All right. What we haven't mentioned yet, uh, we've talked about first pancake rule. We've talked about you writing columns and stuff. We haven't mentioned that you are working on a documentary, which I think is really interesting. Not everybody's doing that. Why are you taking on a documentary? Because a documentary takes time. It takes resources. It takes money. You know, this isn't something that uh, I'm guessing someone's just handed you this big blank check to write, to create. So what's, no, no, what's no, this no. process been like? For you? No, no, no. This has been a constant, um, okay, I've got to come up with another $500 to buy this latest piece of equipment. The documentary is called What About the Men? And it's telling this tale of men who are victims of domestic violence. Mm. It's an underbelly of the domestic violence industry that nobody really talks about. Men are frequently victims of emotional abuse, psychological abuse, physical abuse. And nobody knows about it because we're told as men to kind of just man up, take it. And if you don't do that, people kind of question your manhood. So what we're doing is we're exploring that topic. And the reason why I'm doing that is my experience as a father's rights lawyer and as a divorce lawyer. Right. I have found that there's a lot of information that men need to know. And by being able to do the documentary, which is very much an outgrowth of my podcasting experience, my videography experience, and my storytelling for the daily press, now I'm able to kind of flesh out a much bigger piece of information for men. You know, I, I was in the Navy, and I remember in the Navy, people, while I was never physically abused, I remember people would talk all kinds of trash and get in your head mentally. And, and I look back and think, oh, my gosh, you know. But the advice that everybody would have is man up, suck it up. This is the way it is. But if you were in a regular job anywhere, that would be, like, completely unacceptable. Right. But it's also, that's in a work environment. Now take that into your home environment. That's the big question. You know, when it's coming from your spouse or your girlfriend, now we've got a whole different dynamic going on. Yeah, that's unfortunate. I obviously don't wish that on anyone. So, David, what compels you, man? You got some cool projects going on. What gets you excited? All of this stuff. You know, I love podcasting. I love making movies. I love writing. To me, it's all about sharing information. I've got a lot of knowledge that I can share. I find that people really respond well to it because I see how it changes their life. I see when men listen to me and they get motivated and they take on aspects of their life that need to be fixed and then they get happy. And that's what it's all about. Oh, so we always like to uh, wrap up with final thoughts. But before we do that, where can people learn more about you online? You can go to either David Pizarra, P-I-S-A-R-R-A.com or check out my Men's Family Law website. And the podcast is also Men's Family Law. Good stuff. And we always close out with final thoughts. So do you have any final thoughts? Absolutely. And that is whatever you're wanting to try, try and don't worry about it and expect to fail because the failure leads to the success. First pancake rule. There you go. Thanks, David. My pleasure.
the reality is that if you want to succeed, you're going to have to go through the roadblocks. You're going to have to get past those first failures.